the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Welcome to my show today. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. And I'm looking forward to uh, sharing uh, questions and comments from around the state of California. Uh, you may find something that you hear in here that applies to your situation, and that's why I have this show. I've found a number of people over the last nearly two years since I've been on the air have heard things that have triggered uh, in them situations that they have, and they realize, oh, I might actually have some answers for them. Now, the first thing I want to do is uh, let everybody know that, uh, no, I did not have a seminar th- this past Saturday. <clears throat> my show last week, uh, I had projected ahead to when my next seminar was going to be, but uh, that doesn't matter anymore because the seminar that I had scheduled for next Saturday, uh, a week from tomorrow, I have decided to discontinue that seminar I'm going to be probably spending more time this year uh, interacting directly with people on the air and also in my office and uh, less time doing seminars. I'm still available to do seminars out in the general community if you have an organization within, say, 20 miles of my office here in San Jose, um, a church or a uh, social club or, or even a very large family that you'd like to have a seminar. I'm still happy to do that, but I'm backing off of doing seminars for this year, 2020, um, primarily because I have um, a lot of work coming in, um, the uh, court petition work that I do. A lot of that is coming in, and it's taking up more and more of my time. And plus, uh, I want to spend more time with my family on the weekends and doing my seminars invariably is on Saturdays, which means that takes time away from uh, my wife and my two daughters, which I'd rather be spending with them. And I'm sure you can understand and appreciate that. Um, I grew up uh, in a military family, and uh, my father happened to be an Air Force officer, and he was a commanding officer at the bases we were at which meant he was on call literally 24-7, 365. And uh, I did not see much of my dad when I was growing up. It wasn't until my father retired from the military 
and then um, started selling real estate here in the Santa Clara Valley that I started to get to know my father. And it really wasn't until I was an adult that my father actually got a chance to get to know me as a person because he really didn't have a lot of time to spend with me when I was growing up, up until about age 12 or 13. I'm working hard as a dad to spend a lot more time with my daughters, both at their school. Uh, I coach them in volleyball in the fall and probably do it again in the spring. Uh, I have been on field trips with them as a chaperone. And uh, I play board games with them. Some of you do that. Uh, We have a lot of fun with that. Uh, We sit and watch movies together. So I, I try to spend more time with my daughters than the time that my dad was able to spend with me when I was growing up. And hopefully that will pay dividends in the future as my daughters grow up to be uh, well-adjusted, productive members of society and uh, and daughters that a dad like me will be proud of. That is my goal, and I do not let my law practice interfere with that and Uh, One of the things is by discontinuing doing my seminars on Saturday mornings for the foreseeable future. However, if you're interested in a seminar, you can still watch my seminar at my YouTube channel, Law Offices of Robert P. Bergman. It has uh, uh, well over 50,000 views. It's a bit older, so it's a little out of date with the numbers in there. But the concepts have not really changed since I posted it back in 2014. Um, Well, now nearly six years ago when I posted it. So you can always go there and view that seminar there and get a lot of the same information you'd have in a live seminar. So for 2020, I'm probably not going to be doing any seminars in my office. But I just wanted to let you all know that you can still watch and listen to a seminar at my YouTube channel. Now, here we are in uh, really the first part of 2020. I think it's going to be a great year for, uh, I think, for my practice, a great year for um, our economy. Um, And I hopefully hopefully will be a great year for you and your family and your personal economy and that you're able to accomplish some of the goals that you set for yourself with New Year's resolutions. I have some resolutions as well. And uh, and actually, I hit one of those goals in December, even before the year, and I was very happy with that. So I'm looking forward to building on that resolution here in 2020. So now I'm going to turn to questions and comments from around the state of California. I will let you know if you'd like to call in today. You can call in. I will be taking calls if someone calls in. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. If you do call in, just tell Marco who you are and what city you're from, and he'll pass that information on to me during the show. And then I can switch over and take your call during the show. So here's a question out of Monrovia, California. Not quite sure exactly where Monrovia is. I think it's in Southern California, but but I would not place a bet on that. And uh, here is a situation that I think probably happens, not a lot, but it's common enough that 
you you may know someone where this happened to them. This person said, I cannot find my living trust folder and I forgot what attorney I went to and I need to update my living trust. So here's the deal. If you need to update your living trust, you can't find your living trust folder. Don't worry about it. If you have some information about your trust, the name of the trust, the date you established it, maybe that's on the title to your house. Maybe it's with one of the banks where you put an account in the trust. You can actually go to any attorney, hopefully one that's qualified, um, such as me, and that attorney can recreate your entire estate plan jumping off of the original name and the original date that you created that trust and, uh, and redo everything, update everything, and then you're good. You're golden right there. Uh, if it was done a long time ago, it's probably time to redo it anyway. But all is not lost if you can't find your trust binder and if you can't remember the attorney that you went to. Um, a competent estate planning attorney should be able to take care of things for you. So don't get too stressed about that. <clears throat> Here's someone asking, can I get a power of attorney for my mother-in-law without being present? We live in the same state, just opposite ends. <clears throat> Well, the deal is that if you're the one being appointed as the agent under a power of attorney, you don't have to be present. The person granting the power of attorney needs to sign that power of attorney and then their signature typically notarized. You don't have to be present for the power of attorney to be created. Um, so that's the good news. So if you can get someone to your mother-in-law in a different part of the state and uh, have the power of attorney prepared, brought to your mother-in-law or your mother-in-law brought to whoever has the power of attorney. She can sign it, it can be notarized, and you can be put in charge as the agent under the power of attorney. So coming up on the first break of the show today, when we come back, I'll be continuing with more questions and comments. Feel free to call in at 800-516-1220. But until then, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. I'll talk with you after the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. I've been informed that I have someone on the line. Marco, who is that? Okay, so I've got Sarah from Los Gatos. Uh, you're yeah. on the air with attorney Bob Bergman. Do you have a question okay. for me? I do. If one writes a newer living trust, should the former one or ones be destroyed? Okay, excellent question. Um, I would start first by asking a question. Um, do you tend to just do you intend to update the previous living trust or completely start over, including retitling everything in the name of a new trust? Yes. Now, um, the situation is I'm now on my third living trust. The first one my husband and I wrote in 1982. Mm -hmm. The second one was written in 2001 when he was still alive. And the third one was written in 2017 after he died. Okay. 
Now, the first two that you and your husband did, did they provide in them that everything should just be distributed to the survivor of the two of you? Uh, no. Um, oh, dear. Hello? Yes, I can Hello. still hear you. It sound, are you on a cell phone? No, I'm on a landline. Okay. Anyway, um, the first one, um, he had one and I had one, because that was shortly after we were married. And okay, then, so you each and, had your own. Correct. And then in 2001, when the marriage was very, very much intact, um, we had one written together. And we we did own some real estate, and we did retitle everything that we had. And then after he died, um, I wrote a third... Well, when he died, then the things that were to be distributed to his family members were distributed. And okay. then in, in 2017, um, uh, I wrote a new one after it. Okay, so, so everything that was left in the original joint trust was actually going to you because everything he had went away to family members, is that correct? Um, not, well, in the second one, um, some went to family members, and the rest was to go to me. Directly so to you. Okay. I did so then you created those. a trust with everything that came to you, and that's the trust that you want to redo now? No, I've already done a third one. And that was okay. in 2017. Okay. But that was after everything had been distributed to his family members. Okay, so does the new trust have my, everything you my, own? When my attorney, who drew up the third one, he asked me for proof that everything had been distributed, and I had to go way into the back cave in my house to produce those documents, but I was able to produce them. Um, but now um, another 16 years has passed, and I don't think I could produce those anymore. But now the the third one done in 2017 um, uh, was what he left to me plus what I had before. Okay. And so now everything that you own is titled in the name of that 2017 trust? Correct. Okay. So you want to you want to change that then? No. I want to okay. know if I can I did destroy the first uh one living trust that was set up in 1982. Do I? Okay. Do I have, and well, and then, I can't ask so, either my my two former lawyers because they've both died now. So okay. That's why I'm so what you. is your question? Is your question is the 2017 trust valid? No, my question what? is if I write write if I write a new trust, does should the former ones be destroyed? 
So there's You're talking no, about the ones you had in the past with your husband now? Yes. I, I don't see any reason I don't see any reason to keep them around. Uh they're okay. now historical documents of the family, but they're not currently in effect. Uh, you could certainly destroy them at this point if you had no reason to keep them around. Um, okay. So I All don't right. see any reason to hold on to those. I would suggest, and my practice is, if I have a prior trust that's no longer in effect and someone comes to me, I typically make a copy of it. I scan a copy and store it electronically. Um, and then the maybe the originals are then destroyed. But just to keep a copy... Um, that could be referred to if necessary, but I don't see any reason to keep the originals and keep the binders, repurpose the binder if there's a binder to some other purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay. I will go Did ahead that and answer that for you? Then. Okay. I think so. Uh, the first one all has right. already been destroyed, and so now I will destroy the second one and keep valid only the third one, 2017, so it, yes, it sounds like that's the only one in effect right now. I'm sorry? It sounds like that's the only one that's in effect right now is the 2017 trust. Okay. So my okay. my successor trustee has a copy of that, and that's all we need. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. So uh, everyone listening to that, you, you may have heard something right there that is your own family situation right there. Um, I will say as an aside that if there was an earlier trust that was created and someone wants to update their trust, the better practice is not to create a whole new trust with a new trust date and name, but to take the old trust name and the date that it was signed by you and then do what's called an amendment and restatement, which is where we amend the trust and then restate, which means create a whole new trust as an amendment to the original trust and replace the original trust document. Uh, kind of like replacing the engine in a car. Uh, you don't buy a whole new car. Uh, you, you, you take out the old engine that's broken and you put in a new engine and the car keeps running. And, it is, uh, and that's basically what we do with an amendment and restatement. So we're coming up uh, in about a minute on the closing of the second segment of the show today. When I come back after this commercial break, we'll continuing on with more questions and comments from around the state of California. I have a whole stack of them here, including some uh, kind of interesting ones that I think you might um, really find interesting and useful. So when I come back after the break, we'll continue with questions and comments. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman host of Plan Your Estate Radio. If you're just joining us, you can call in at 800-516-1220 if you'd like to ask me a question on the air. But and if no calls come in, we'll talk on the air. AM 1220, KDOW. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. So I'm going to continue on with more questions and comments from around the state of California and uh, see if there's something in here that triggers 
something in your family or a friend's family where they've been struggling with this, and, uh, and they'll know that I may be able to have answers for them. Now, here is something that's kind of a variation of the caller we had before the break. Thank you very much, Sarah from Los Gatos, for that call. Um, here's someone who said, um, um, out of here, actually in my backyard here in San Jose, I am a recent elderly widow and I plan on moving in with one of my children. I want to sell my house, but it's in the name of the trust that my husband and I created over 20 years ago. Unfortunately, I lost all my original trust documents and the lawyers are no longer in business that made my trust, so I can't get one from them. There was only one copy. Can someone help with advice on what to do so I can sell my home? If the trust owns the house and my husband's name still on the title, does that mean I can't sell my home since he's no longer alive to change the deed? Can I create a new trust to change the deed? I really don't know and any help would be appreciated. Now, here, there's a number of things that could be at play here. It's very possible that the trust that was created, uh, this lady created with her husband, required that this property be divided into two pieces when he died, with one share going into a trust for her that's revocable and changeable, and one share going into a trust to benefit her, but that is irrevocable and unchangeable, at least unchangeable without going through the court system. In this case, um, she, she, uh, if she doesn't have the original trust document and, and she has no way of proving what the trust document said, it may be that what she needs to do is uh, she would have a difficult time transferring the property um, out of the trust. Let's put it this way. She could do an affidavit of change of trustee to remove her husband's name from the trust. But then if she goes to try to transfer the property out of the trust, a title company is going to want to see proof that she has the authority to do that, which means they're probably going to want to see a copy of the trust and if the trust doesn't exist, she'll have a hard time convincing a title company to issue title insurance to a buyer of the property because they have no proof that she actually had the authority to sell the property out of the trust because there's no trust to refer to. In this case, what this lady probably needs to do is go to court to recreate the trust and I would say recreate the trust in the form that she and her children want it to be, it's possible to go to court and do that uh, to recover or recreate a lost trust. It could be done under Section 17200 of the Probate Code. Uh, I've done it once in my career, and uh, it could be done. But that would be the first thing to do is to recreate the trust if the trust then uh, can say that everything goes to her as the surviving spouse. She can have her husband's name taken off the title, sell the property, and move in with her child. Um, that is something that she could do. And uh, so you may be facing, or you may know someone is facing a similar situation. Have them give me a call, 408-247-0444, or email me at radio 
at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. That's radio at lawbob dot com. And I may very well be able to assist. This is the kind of thing that I may be able to assist and do it quickly uh, and pretty efficiently by creating a new trust for the family and then going to court to have it approved. It can probably be done without a formal hearing, and I can do it as I do other court petitions without the need for a formal hearing in San Mateo County on what's called an ex parte basis and uh, just get it taken care of all at once so the property can be sold. And there is now, in fact, a trust in existence that can be relied upon. At the same time, we would probably also want to update everything else, like an advanced health care directive, financial power of attorney, and a pour over will for a person such as this. Because if all the original documents are gone, there's nothing to refer to if this person were to become incapacitated, for example. So um, that kind of answers that there. And, and I know that that kind of situation does come up now and then. And rest assured, there is a solution to that situation. It involves going through the courts, but there is a solution. Okay, this is one out of Los Angeles. Person says, my elderly uncle wants to revoke his power of attorney um, with his sister as his agent because she's taking money out of his bank account without telling him. Um, she's telling him it's to keep anyone feeling it, and she's just holding it in another account. He only has one bank account and has asked her to return the money. He asked me to help her get her off of his account. Not sure what to do. Please help. I think the first thing the uncle needs to do is contact his bank and indicate to them he is revoking the power of attorney authority, and that would then prevent his sister from taking any more money out. The second thing would be to move money into a new bank account that just has the uncle on it and then perhaps the niece or nephew who is asking this question uh, on as a new power of attorney and then also to demand that the sister return the money back by cutting a check to the uncle so he can put it back into his bank account. If she fails to do that, then basically she has committed embezzlement. She has stolen the money. If the uncle is over the age of 65, it could be elder financial abuse. That should be reported to the county where the uncle uh, lives. And uh, she could also be sued to return the money. And But she might also end up being uh, charged with the crime of embezzlement if she took the money out and put it in another account without the permission of the uncle. So there's a lot of serious things at play there. Uh, but I would advise first contact the bank, revoke the power of attorney so the sister can't take any more money out and then set up somebody else to assist the elderly uncle with that. Okay, here's someone says, I'm beginning estate planning and interested in creating a pour over will, a trust, a power of attorney and health care directive. Okay, this person's on the right track. I have a disabled minor child and want funds to be kept secure for her needs, but I do not want to jeopardize her public benefits. How can I do this? Excellent question. And I know this applies to many, many families out there. Probably thousands of families here in the greater Bay Area have just this situation where they have a disabled 
minor child or niece or nephew or even a disabled adult child or other family member and they want to set their estate plan and make sure that funds can be left to take care of that person. Well, the way to do that is what's called a supplemental needs trust. It is a trust that can be created inside a living trust and then kind of comes into existence when the creator of the trust dies and then everything gets transferred uh, out of the living trust into the supplemental needs trust. It can also be created as a standalone irrevocable, revocable or irrevocable trust uh, so that um, you know, the monies can be passed in there. And what a supplemental needs trust does is it actually, um, by its term, says that monies can only be used to supplement the needs of the of the disabled person to the extent that those needs are not being met by some kind of government assistance program. It's very powerful. It can protect those assets from being lost or being used up. And I do this on a regular basis. So if you have a situation like that, feel free to give me a call, 408-247-0444, or else email me at radio at lawbob.com, and we can start a conversation. Now, Marco, I think you've indicated someone is on the line. Is that correct? John from Hayward. How much time do we have? So we have two minutes in this segment. Uh, John from Hayward, are you there? I'm here, uh, Bob, yes. Yeah, if we can't finish before the break, we'll just hold off and pick up after the break. Is that okay with you? No problem at all, yeah. Okay, so John, let. Yeah. what's your question? Yeah, real quick, it has to do with the 401k. After I'm gone with the new SECURE Act, I guess the children have to pull it out in uh, 10 years. That's the new rule, I guess. Yeah, I'm talking about the SECURE Act. The question is, uh, can we write all the instructions, you know, where the money has to, who has to go, take what, that kind of thing, in a will? Or what is the instructions we have to pass on, or should that be part of the trust? Well, if you're talking about directing where monies go from a 401k plan, yeah, uh, you wouldn't do that through a will. You would direct that through a trust, either a trust specially designed for a retirement plan, what we call a retirement plan trust, or directions, instructions in a living trust that becomes the beneficiary of that 401k plan with directions on where the monies are supposed to go. Uh, in the interest of full disclosure, yeah. I have not fully educated myself on the impact of the SECURE Act. It's one of the most significant pieces of legislation dealing with retirement plans in um, a few decades. Let's put it that way. And I'm working on getting myself up to speed on that right now. Um, so I can't answer a lot of questions about it on the air at this point. John, have I answered that question for you, though? Yeah, I have I have something related to this. So can I stay on? Okay. We'll come back after the break with you. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. John, are you still on the line? I'm here, Bob. Thank you. Okay, so you said you had another question for me before the break? 
No, same same question. Uh, just wanted oh, okay. more expansion. So we do not put any instructions how the funds will be distributed in a in a will, but it should be part of the trust. Is that correct? But the money the money itself will not be transferred into the trust. Correct. Well, I mean that that's a simple question, but there's a lot of pieces to that question that oh, need to be kind okay. of unwrapped. Yeah. Um, when in general, when you have a retirement plan, you can designate a beneficiary on that. Yeah. If uh, you can designate an individual, you or you can designate a trust. If there's no designation or you designate your estate, then it's payable to a probate. So if you designate an individual, they're the ones that are able to take over that asset under the prior law, an inherited IRA, which could go on for the lifetime of that person under the new law that is severely restricted with with some exceptions, which I, I'm still looking into. I have a whole, just as an aside, I have a 90-minute presentation by a CPX expert in my network that I still have to find time to sit down and listen through and go through all the notes to get up to speed on this. It's a it's a huge change. But uh, if you pay to a trust, then the trust can have specific instructions on whether the monies are to be passed right through to beneficiaries, whether they're to pass into an asset-protected uh, trust for the beneficiary so it's not immediately available and can be kept separate from the beneficiary's personal finances and relationships and things like that, or whether it's just going to um, accumulate in the trust and be dispersed out as needed for someone. So all the instructions, if you don't want it going outright to somebody and having them directly control it, which you don't want to have if you have a special needs beneficiary, you don't want to have if the beneficiary is a minor. You probably don't want to have if the beneficiary is an adult but isn't really sufficiently mature yet, which I consider to be probably about age 25 and above. Um, you would want to do it and have it held in a trust in some way or accumulate in a trust in some way. Uh, that would be kind of my general advice that people consider that. I mean, like you say, I think it appears to be a little more complicated than it's not simple, especially if it goes outright to the beneficiaries, no problem. But if there are some instructions with it, then, you know, it may have to be transferred to a trust and then distributed from there. Oh, the the I will tell you that the SECURE Act um, is basically in the estate planning field, in the estate planning attorneys and CPAs and, and also the companies that provide these retirement plans and all this, this was basically a nuclear blast. And and we are still sorting out what the effects of this blast are. They passed, they'd been talking about the law for a long time, and then it looked like it wasn't going to go through. But then all of a sudden, and I mean in in Washington terms, this law was passed in in a matter of a few hours. I mean, it's like all of a sudden they passed it, boom, boom, the president signed it, taking effect 
almost immediately. Instead of saying, let's have it take effect July 1 of 2020 to give people a chance to absorb the new law, figure out how to deal with it. No, they passed the law. They threw it out there and gave us a few months to try and deal with this. And yeah. it, it's a classic Washington move. Um, they 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 don't think through the consequences of what they do the vast majority of the time. So now they have basically fouled up um, millions of Americans who are, who did planning or were relying on a certain law being a certain way, and now it's completely changed and upside down. Um, I mean, I met an attorney earlier this week when I was in court. And I mentioned the Secure Act, and he's an estate planning attorney. He said, what are you talking about? And and that's the other thing is there's a lot of attorneys, even in estate planning, that they don't subscribe to listservs. They're not involved with groups. They don't read the newspapers. They're not even aware that this law just went into effect January 1. Um, And I'm still trying to get myself up to speed. So. Uh, once I once I get up to speed, I'll probably have some future shows talking about the Secure Act for those who have retirement plans and passing on kind of like, here's the new sheriff in town when it comes to your retirement plans, because it's completely different than it was before. Nothing that I taught last year applies anymore. And, and so it all has to change. Got it. No problem. Okay, John. Thank you, Okay, yeah. well, thank you so much for calling in. I hope, are you a first-time listener? Uh, no, I've been listening to you, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, great. Well, thanks, John. I'm going to say goodbye now because we're coming up on the end of the show. Marco, I think we have, what, about 45? Okay, so uh, we're ending about 45 seconds of the show today. I hope you all learned something, and I hope you'll consider tuning in in the future if you have a 401k plan or IRA. Um, I'm going to try and do some shows on this um, before the end of this month. If not this month, then next month, talking about the SECURE Act and how it impacts our retirement plans. So until next week, this is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio. Hope you have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next Friday. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.